I don't care. I don't care what he believes. Well, you should vote for her because this is what she and I say. I don't care. I don't care what she believes, and I don't care what he believes. Doesn't matter to me at all. I have one question. What are they going to do? See, telling me what they believe means nothing. I want to know what they're going to do. Let me show you. Let's take it one day there's going to be a, some candidate who will show up and say, I believe that Salem, Oregon is too dark, too cold, and too rainy in the months of December and January. And we all go, yes, we're in agreement. Then I'm going to look at them and say, what are you going to do about it? And they say, nothing. And I say, then it doesn't matter, does it? I don't care what you believe. What matters to me is what you're going to do about it. So here's my question for the candidates right here. What are you going to do about it? I guarantee you, by the way, when I vote, still haven't voted. I'll plan to mail it in or not mail it, but deliver it tomorrow. I will vote based on that. Looking at both candidates, not what they believe, but what I think they're going to do. And that's how I will base my vote. Okay? Because actually, it really doesn't matter what you believe. It really matters more what you're going to do about it. And sometimes there's this huge difference between what we believe and what we do. The believe is, is what we call the hypothetical, the theoretical. This is what I believe in theory should happen. But then when we're talking about what you actually do, now that's, that's more of a functional thing, okay? You're going to function. This is what you think. That's your hypothetical. But now what do you do? That's the functional side of it. It's wonderful if what you believe also translates into what you do. But sometimes it doesn't work that way. Even the Bible talks about that. Let me show you right here. We're into your sermon notes right now. There is a difference, according to the Bible, between hypothetical faith and functional faith. Hypothetical faith and functional faith. Now, hypothetical faith is that faith that says... In theory, I have faith. I believe I have I think I have faith. I tell you I have faith. Functional faith says, okay, how does that work in your lives? Functional faith is working it out. It's something that you do. Theoretical faith or hypothetical faith is just there. And that's actually one of the problems that the early church had. There were a lot of people who were walking around saying, you know what, I believe, I believe in this and I believe in that. But there was no action put to it. There was no evidence of it. And the half-brother of Jesus named James, who was the leader of the church for a while after Jesus left, James writes to the church and he says, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? Your God talk is theoretical, it's hypothetical. God acts, those are functional things. Those are the things that you actually do. I can already hear one of you agreeing with me saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department and I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Works and faith fit together hand in glove. The theoretical, the hypothetical, and the action. You say you have faith, but I don't see it working out in your life. When things go bad, you panic. 
Where's your faith? You worry about all the stuff, where's your faith? You're, you're, you're shaken by any kind of doubt that someone might throw you. Where's your faith? Yeah, you, you talk a good game, but you don't live it out. What else is this? Scripture also says this, that there's a difference between hypothetical love functional love. In other words, there's the theory, yes, I love everybody, it's wonderful, but now how does that affect the way that you live? How does it work out within your life? John, the beloved disciple, 1 John writes to the church, he says, if anyone has a material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be on him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue. Hypothetical, theoretical love. I love you, I love you, I love you, I think it's wonderful. But with actions and in truth, functional love. I'm going to do something about it. And then he says this, this is then we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. In other words, how do you know you really belong to the truth? How do you know you're, you're really in the right connection with God? Because there is a strong connection between what you believe and what you're going to do. What you say is one thing, but what are you going to do about it? Because this is what the Word of God tells us. My relationship with God through Jesus changes how I live. It's not just about believing the right things. I could give you a little test and maybe you could, you could score 100% theologically and biblically because you know the right things and you believe the right things. Now let's take a look at your life. Are you doing the things that go hand in hand with what you believe? It's not just about what I believe. It's not just about the hypothetical or the theoretical. It's about what we take a look at this. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Isn't that funny? Okay, you think you've got faith. You think you're walking because you listen to the word. You know the word. You can pass the test. But you're just deceiving yourself. Do what it says there's the functional side of it, okay? Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. It makes no difference. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. When we take that theoretical faith, that hypothetical way to live, that hypothetical love, and we actually live it out, we remember what we're supposed to do with it, and we do something with it, we turn it into a function of our lives, that's when God says, you are blessed. Now, why am I talking about this this morning? Two weeks from this Thursday, most of us, We'll gather together, friends and family. It is two weeks from Thursday. Thanksgiving meal, believe it or not, just a couple of weeks. And you'll go through all the rituals. Uh, there's the parades and the, the football, family and friends. It could be a huge meal. I know some of you have been planning this meal for a long time. Some of you are looking to 15, 20, 30 or more people for this big meal. Others, a little smaller celebration. But almost every single one of us will get together and we will have a Thanksgiving feast. And there is one ritual that many, not all, but many people do. And it's that ritual of before you eat, you sit around the table, you go from person to person to person, and you say, tell us what you're thankful for. What are you thankful for? Here's the question right here that you're going to see and ask around that table. What 
are you thankful for? Now, when that happens, what will be some of the replies? Tell me, because you've heard them before. What? Family. Good. Okay. Health is good. Okay. The food is wonderful. Work. Our country. Okay. Siblings and family and parents and God. We're just so thankful for God. Do you want to throw a monkey wrench in the whole thing this, this year? Then do this. As soon as everyone's gone around and said, this is what I'm thankful for, then you ask them this question right here. What are you going to do about it? How does that change your life? Are you thankful for your country? What are you going to do about it? Are you really thankful for your brothers and sisters? What are you going to do about that? Are you truly thankful for God? Well, what are you going to do about it? You say you're thankful for God? We want to know what you're going to do about it. And when you can describe and when you do, that is the functional side of thanksgiving. So for the next few weeks, very short series, is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be looking at a series called Functional Thanksgiving, which is a little different than theoretical or hypothetical. We can all come here and say, how many people are thankful? And you'll put your hands up. How many people are thankful to God? How many people are thankful for food? How many people are, and you'll all put your hands up. It's wonderful. Question, what are you going to do about it? How does it affect the way you live? And if it doesn't affect the way that you live, well, maybe you're not as thankful as you thought. This is what we're going to see. We're going to talk about thank, functional thanksgiving. Functional Thanksgiving is seen as, now, what we mean by this is, not in theory are you thankful, but actually practically thinking, what does it mean to be thankful to God? How does that look? As a matter of fact, if I can see these things in your life, and if you can see them in my life, you probably don't have to ask if I'm thankful to God. You'll know it because of what I do. It's found in three things. Here they are, right here. First of all is in my personal, how I personally treat God, okay? If I'm thankful to God, there's a way I'm going to treat Him, personally. The second way is my relationship with His people. He has a people. We call it the church. And my thanksgiving to God actually affects the way I deal with His people. And my thanksgiving to God is going to be seen in what I do and say to the world out there that really doesn't know Him. Because I'm thankful to God, these three things are going to be evident within my life. And those are the three things we're going to talk about beginning this morning with that first one, my personal relationship with Him. Okay, ready? Here we go. Because I am thankful to God, because I am thankful to Him, I will. Okay? This is what I'm going to do. This is the functional side of thanksgiving. We're going to move from the hypothetical and the theoretical right into the functional. Because I'm thankful, I will, here it is, keep him the center of my life. We have a tendency sometimes to uh, push him in the background. This is what the Bible says. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him 
Sing praise him. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face on Sundays. Always. <laughs> you see, the simple truth is that for many of us, we are grateful. We're thankful for all that he's done. But, but most of our days and most of our time, we, we kind of ignore him. We kind of push him off to, this, to the side. And we, we have a tendency to segment our lives. Are, are you like this? I know that it's my tendency, and I have to constantly overcome that. I, I turn my life into little segments. You know, I have my family life I need to take care of, and I've got my work life I need to take care of, and then, of course, there's the, the re- recreational side of my life, which is important, and then, of course, the religious side where I really give attention to God and Jesus and the Bible, but that's not what God talks about. He never says for us to segment our lives. That's, when, that's what happens when we make him a part of our life. Now, I have to tell you that making him a part of your life is better than ignoring him completely. Jesus Christ didn't come to this world and God didn't create us to be part of our lives. Even if he's the most important part. He's not supposed to be the most important part. He's not a part. We don't segment our lives like that. He is the center from which everything else radiates. The hub of the wheel. That's what it means to be thankful and grateful to God. He becomes sometimes part of our life. No, we want to make him the most important, the very center, to seek his face always. Now, what would that look like? What would that look like? What if the next time we had a major decision to make, or even a minor decision to make, we put him at the center of that decision? Whether that decision is to go on vacation, as some of us have just done, or that decision is to buy a house, purchase a car, spend our money, decide how we're going to spend the next several days? What if at the very center of that we put our Father? Would those decisions change? You know what? For many of us, yeah, they would. We made a decision. It wasn't a bad decision. It was a sinful decision. But it really wasn't a decision centered on Him. It was a decision that you segmented a part of your life. And you hope that the God part of your life will bless. In all of our plans, to seek Him always, every day. Father, my life today is based on You. You. The very center. That's functional thanksgiving. Thank You, Father, for so much. And because You've done so much, I'm going to make sure not to push You to the side. I'm going to keep You the very center of everything that I do. But here's another thing we're going to do. If we're really thankful, this functional side of Thanksgiving is going to do this. We're going to stay connected with frequent prayer. (laughs) Now, prayer is uh, a wonderful thing, isn't it? But many of us don't do it really well. And I want to have a confession here in just a second. Let me show you what I mean here. I just came back from about 10 days in uh, Florida where I spent some time with my kids and grandkids. It was a planned vacation, and it was good. I, I enjoyed it. Now, Linda did not go with me, which is very unusual. Normally, we go on these things together, but um, she stayed here. Now, I, I have to tell you that I thought about Linda a lot, a lot, several times throughout every day. 
wondering what she was doing and thinking, man, it would be great if she were here to experience this. However, I only spoke to her a few times. Every now and then we would call, or she'd call me or I'd call her at night, and we'd talk for a little while, but she was always in my thoughts. But we really didn't talk that much. Now, I'm not saying that we should have been constantly FaceTiming one another. One of the reasons we didn't talk all that much is because she was here in Salem, and I'm there. But now imagine, what if we had taken this vacation together? What if she'd actually come with me? And we were together the whole time, side by side, and I only talked to her four or five times in ten days. What's going to happen? Whatever it is, it won't be good. <laughs> Why? Well, because we're not together the whole time. If we're together the whole time and I ignore her, that's an insult. Guess who was with me the whole time? Every moment of every day never apart from me, never away from me. The Lord Jesus Christ was with me the whole time. Imagine if I only talked to him a few times in those ten days. I have to confess to you that um, I am not really good at uh, long prayers. Um, I don't do that well. In fact, what happens is in long prayers, I tend to lose my train of thought. I start writing sermons or I get sleepy. Uh, I hope it's okay for you to know that. So I don't have two and three hour prayer sessions with God. I wouldn't. I tried it several times. I didn't like it. I don't think he liked it either. <laughs> it, it wasn't pretty. But what I have learned to do is what, what we're going to call those little bullet prayers all day long, knowing that he's right beside me the whole time, just a real short kind of prayer. It can be a 10-second or a 15-second or a thought or a something, or even a discussion with him in my mind as I'm driving along. Those are the types of prayers that I have, in addition to sometimes that I really just want to set aside a few moments to really speak with him. He's always with us, and we've got to remember that and treat him. This is what the Bible says. Be joyful always and what? Pray. What's that word? Continually. How do you do that on your knees? You know, I mean, that's just, I can't do that. I've got a life that he wants me to live, and so I have to learn to pray continually. He's been so good, I don't want to ignore him. I don't want to speak to him just two or three times every ten days. I want all day long to say, thank you, Father, thank you, Father, thank you, Father, this is great. That's, I've got this problem. What do you think of that? All day long. Little bullet prayers. The psalmist makes this uh, promise. As a matter of fact, Gail, you were singing this earlier. You didn't know that I was going to put this in. I don't know if you're planning to use it at all. but It's called Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider. We sing it. Meditation. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, you're going to hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in this faith. He says, you know what? At least once a day, I'm going to start by saying, Father, you are my God. This is what's happening in my day today, but you are my God. That's what it means for functional thanksgiving. But here's another way to show our functional thanksgiving. Ready? To live out our thanks and to simply just fill my mind with praise to him. 
Because let's face it, sometimes when we are praying, our prayers are, oh, help, uh, I need you here. Uh, what am I going to do here? Uh, I don't like this. They're complaints. They're requests. We complain, we beg, we plead. When in fact, and we get to do those from time to time. They all have a place a certain time. But you know what God really enjoys? He enjoys the praise of his people. We know that because the Bible tells that. Just in the book of Psalms alone, there are 151 Psalms. There are 168 verses that talk just about praise. That's how important it is. This is what the Bible says. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. When we're praying this, when we're talking to God, it's okay to say, Father, I've got this problem, help me here. That's okay. He wants you to do that. But could I encourage you, if you really are thankful to God, to make sure that you fill your praise and your mind and your prayers with, God, you are awesome. You are so great. Thank you, Father. You're wonderful. You're marvelous. That's a beautiful tree you created. What a great sky. Thank you for this life. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. Psalmist says this, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all your wonders. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Let me show you how important praise is. King Jehoshaphat. Nobody ever, you want a biblical name for your son? <laughs> Forget the Johns and the Marks and the Matthews. Go for the Jehoshaphat. People would remember. Jehoshaphat was king. He had an army. He had a nation that was trying to uh, um, attack him, the Ammonites and others. And so he was called to go into battle. Now, I'm going to ask for a little help here. Okay, are you ready? Carson Clues, can you come up here for a second? Robert Mendoza, can you come up here for a second? Come on. Here we go. Let's see, I need one more really, really. Matt, come on up. You're a nice big guy. Come on, no, no, up here, up here. They want, they want to see. Okay, now, if I was going into battle, this guy is black belt karate. He owns a karate studio, uh, studio a karate for kids. Is it in, in, Kaiser. in Kaiser? And he's the owner, and so I'd want this guy right there because I'm going to, I'd want my army. And you've had a little experience with some street fighting in the past. We won't go into details, okay? <laughs> but we know, and I have no idea except you're big. And so I said, okay, that's who I want. Okay, now then, I need one other person to come up here. Gail Wendell, would you come up here, please? All right, Gail, come on up. It's you. The price is right. Now, this is Gail Wendell. Come over here in the middle, here, right here in front of you. Okay, so let's see. Compare. Now, you're a, okay, you're a little shorter, and uh, okay, and you're not a trained in karate, but you know what you can do? Thank you. And you know what she can sing? She can sing praises to God. And when Jehoshaphat went into battle, you know what he put in the front? The singers. You guys walk behind her. And you know what the singers did? They sang praise to God the whole way. And they won the battle. Because Jehoshaphat knew it wasn't the strength of these people. It was the praise of God. You put people up in front that praise. And the army and the, 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 the enemy got scattered and God was right with them and he blessed them. And the singers didn't have to fight, by the way. All they had to do was sing. Isn't that good news? 
There you go. So the next time we go into battle, you guys get behind her. She goes first, all right? Thank you. Do you understand the power of praise? Some of you are kind of down in the dumps in your lives, but you know what? You've you got you to start praising more. As a matter of fact, I want us to read this together. Take a look. I'm going to have you do your best. I'm going to have you read an entire chapter of the Bible. Don't panic. Here it is. It's the shortest chapter in the Bible. And if you can memorize this, you can say, I memorized an entire chapter. Yes. Would you say it with me, please? Here we go. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love towards us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. One more time. Here we go. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. The next time you're in battle, whatever that battle is, for some of you those battles will be this afternoon. Some of us will be in battle many times this week. You're trying to take the strong parts of who you are and put them up in front, and you're getting creamed. Start with praise. Praise the Lord. You know what? You want to learn how to praise? Read the book of Psalms. Memorize them. Shout them out. You don't have to come up with your own words. Trust me, people have been praising God for thousands of years. Take their words. They're in the Bible for a reason. Learn them. Shout them. Praise them. God, you are great and awesome and holy. We do that because we're so thankful. And he is so good. It's not theoretical then. It's a practical, functional Thanksgiving. Just a couple of more ways and we'll be done. We'll move over to our potluck dinner, which we always enjoy. You really want to thank God? You want this functional side of your Thanksgiving? Do this. Join with this church in worship. Now, let's take the guilt away. I'm not saying that every single Sunday you've got to be sitting where you are. Some of you, you pretty much are. And, and even when you show up, you, you sit in the same seat, don't you? I know that. Uh, and every now and then you change seats on me. It just drives me nuts. <laughs> Actually, it's good. It keeps me awake. I go, wait a minute, Terry, you're not, what are you doing over here? You're supposed to be there. It's okay. I'm not saying that everything, but you, there's something special that happens. God meets with us in community. And I've, I've heard it before. I've heard people say, well, I could worship much better on my own. There's a problem with that. It's not about you. If this was about you, sure, go ahead. If this is some sort of self-help thing, then absolutely. Do what's best for you. What if it's not about you? What if you're not the center of this worship? What if the whole point is him? And guess what? God meets in the midst of his own community that we call the church. We'll be talking about that more next Sunday when we talk about giving thanks to God as we treat one another, his people. But don't neglect worship. Now, some of you are brand new to this church. Today is your first Sunday. You're welcome here. Whether you remain here or you, you move on, that's going to be up to you and the Lord. Just find a place of people, somewhere where you can gather together on a fairly regular basis and praise God with his church. Because something unique 
happens when we get together. This is what Scripture says right here. I will give thanks where? In the great assembly. Isn't it something? It's hard to do that when you're on your own unless you want to call yourself a great assembly. Among the throngs of people, I will... God is not the God of the individual. God is the God of the church, the community, His people. And I think it brings great joy to Him when His people come together, whether it's a church like this or a smaller church or the bigger church. That's what it says. His people come together and together we praise and we sing and we extol His name. Something special happens then. That's what Jesus told us right here. He said, for where two or three are gathered together, there I am right among them. Where two or three are gathered together, there I am. I don't know why it is, other than God, we already talked about this in the last sermon in the series, that God is not like us. He does exist in the Trinity. He does exist in perfect harmony with Himself. So community is very important to Him. I think Chris Hill even talked about that last Sunday, someone told me. Well, that's what we're supposed to represent is community. We're together. We're his people. Don't neglect that. Oh, you don't have to be here every single Sunday. Some of us get big, paid to be here almost every single Sunday. But many of you, this is a choice you make. There's some Sundays you take off, sure. But don't neglect it. Come together. Sing praise. Say, Father, Thank you so much. I will meet with your people to say thank you. One final thing, and I've left the most uncomfortable for the last one. Aren't you glad? (laughs) Functional Thanksgiving. If I'm really going to be thankful to God, I'm going to do all the things we talked about. I'm going to make him the center of my life. I'm I'm going to pray to him continually. I'm going to fill those prayers with praise, and I'm going to do it with his people, but I'm also going to do this. I am going to give generously back to him. told you it's the most uncomfortable. And I've, I've heard the complaints from people. Uh, you know, the church is always asking for money. Well, do you know why? Because the Bible is always telling us to give. And since we're a Bible-believing church, and we look to the Bible, and the Bible says his saints should give generously, and so I have to look at you and say, give generously, because that's what the Bible says. Now, when the Bible stops saying that, I'll stop telling you, okay? It was a deal. But not until. From the very beginning, God was trying to teach his people that one of the best ways to show thanks to him is to kind of let go of those personal, financial, property things in which we put so much of our identity. Let it go. Give it back. Give it back because that's how God has determined to fund all of the ministries around the world. He doesn't need it, but that's how he's asked us to do it, in partnership with him. Take a look at this passage right here. I'm ready to offer the thanksgiving sacrifice and pray in the name of God. Now, see, two, it's not just giving. I'll complete what I promised God I'd do. And I'll do it where? In company with his people. In the place of worship. In God's house, in Jerusalem, God's city, hallelujah. Now, how many of us come in saying, hallelujah, I get to give an offering today with God's people? Probably not the emotion that most of us are feeling. And yet, he did. It's amazing. 
God doesn't need it. It's his, I mean, he has no need of your money and our money. It doesn't matter to him. He's not a, a money-based deity. And actually, what he lets us know is giving back to him as a way of thanks is actually going to benefit us, not him. Take a look at this passage right here. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord. No, he says, look, I'm going to do something with this. When you bring the money back, there's a purpose for it. Back in the Old Testament, many times it was set aside and it would actually purchase food. Today, our giving doesn't purchase so much food as it does purchase the ministries that we do and then all touch people all the way around the world. But something happens with it. It isn't just making the church rich. A church with a gigantic checking and savings account probably is not doing really well because that money isn't going to help God at all and it's going to help the kingdom. So we keep some reserves. It's very wise for us to do that. But we don't keep millions and millions of dollars sitting in the bank earning interest. There would be no point. Because when we give, it's for a purpose. God wants to do something with it. Test me in this, it says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much a blessing that you won't have room enough. In other words, when you thank me by being generous, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to bless your little socks right off. You won't even believe what I'm going to do when you learn to be generous. For some of us, this is hard. This is one of the areas that is most difficult for us to express our... our th- and I, I get that. I get that. Um, there are some ways that I can express my, my gratitude and thanks to my family and to my wife. I, there are lots of chores that I do around the home. I love to cook, and I take care of the outside. And I, can I tell you, there's two things, and Linda's already gone to pick up some meal for the, so she doesn't get to hear this one. <laughs> the two things that I hate, and I don't know why I hate them, vacuuming and sweeping. Why does that bother me? I'll do the dishes, I'll wipe the, I'll clean the toilets, I'll do the windows. Something about vacuuming and sweeping, I don't care for. So I get the whole idea that there are some things that maybe you don't particularly care for as you're giving thanks back. I'm working on, I don't know if I'm ever going to enjoy sweeping and vacuuming, but I'll, I'll do it more often. How's that? My wife isn't here, so I'll make that promise. And <laughs> It's theoretical. But it is so important for us to learn to thank God by giving. Thank you, Father. And by giving generously. Take a look at this passage and we're done. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. There's God's promise, okay? Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Do we really thank God? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it in your personal relationship? We'll talk about the church and we'll talk about the world in the, co- in the weeks to come, but in your own personal relationship, what are you going to do when you say you thank God? Take in the center now. Not a part, but the very hub from which everything radiates. Learn to pray at the top of Don't ignore Him. And fill those prayers with praise to Him because He is good and awesome. It will lift your own soul. If you complain and complain and complain and complain, no wonder you feel down. 
listening. Listening. Be generous in your giving. That's how we show thanks to you. Father, thank you. Uh, you are so good to us. And we're trying to learn to move it from that hypothetical and theoretical, Father, we're just so grateful, that kind of little word that we spread around the, the table at Thanksgiving time and other special times of the year into actual, functional, practical things that we do to express our thanksgiving to you. Now, Father, those things won't save us. You don't like us more because of them. Jesus, you did all of that on the cross. Your salvation came because you died for us, and we don't earn it. There's nothing we can do to make it even better. Father, we're not talking about earning our salvation. We're already your people. We're talking about being your people and saying thank you. And to do it in ways that are practical. Do it in ways that actually make a difference. So Father, this week, help us in the very center. Teach us to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you. And all the people said. We're going to move into a